For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Blue Kool-Aid drinkers. Happy December. Happy holidays. And the Lions are in the season of giving, giving away victories, unfortunately. But this week on the podcast, we have Big Z, Rudd Dog, and UJ talking about Matt Stafford, Matt Patricia's coaching decisions, the Lions defense finally stepping up um, with a bright future. And then, of course, we talk about Jim Bob Cooter. But this time, we take it a step further and we make suggestions and discuss possible offensive coaching candidates. I would also like to add in this episode, we had a little bit of audio issues, and we apologize to Liz, the Cardinals fan, who went to the Lions Den. Um, we were not able to get that segment in there this week, unfortunately. So we apologize, but thank you, Liz. We appreciate your contributions, even if we couldn't get you onto the podcast this week. We just want to thank everybody again for listening, and we hope we can kick off your December with a great start. Go Lions, and let's get this thing going. This is Drinking the Blue Kool-Aid, a Detroit Lions podcast where lifelong Lions fans, UJ, Rudd Dog, Bob, talk about your favorite team, the Detroit Lions, where victory isn't just talked about, it's earned. One pride. Let's get this podcast rolling. Welcome back, Blue Kool-Aid drinkers. It's Monday night, 8.20 p.m. on December 3rd. The Lions, um, I, I feel like a broken record, unfortunately, this season. Lions coming up an unfortunate loss this time to the red-hot St. Louis Rams team in all football. And Blue Kool-Aid drinkers, Red Dog. Lions are right there. It's painful. It's painful. It is painful. I think the most painful thing about it is just the way it's happening. You know, it's the all our pillars, the things that are the foundational, you know, members of this franchise are letting us down. And that's it's it just kind of hurts because you want to see them at least be the, the silver lining, you know. Like Stafford fumbling away that ball at the end of the game that just uh, basically ended it. Yet that, another Stafford that was fumble a killer. that hurts this team late in the game. <sighs> that one killed, yeah. man. Well, this one just didn't make sense to me because Aaron Donald's chasing you down and he tried to outrun him. He tried to do that several he's, times in that game. He's got to take the sack. I know. He's got to take the sack. But yeah. I think uh, even Donald said he'd seen Stafford on film playing with fire a little bit the way he holds the ball. And it's, it's the fact that that's scoutable is at this at ten years into his career, yeah, that's bad. I mean, the, yeah. the proof is in the pudding. He, he every year in his uh, career, he has had trouble holding on to the ball. I mean, look at, I mean, just this year alone, San Francisco 
he had a big fumble that cost us the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and against the Bears last uh, last week, even he fumbled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hold and, that ball around. Yeah, if there's a glaring weakness in Stafford's game, that is it, in my opinion. And but he does it often enough where you know it really costs us sometimes. Oh, so. absolutely. He really has to protect. That I really ball just better. don't think his head's been in it this season from snap one. He's just looked like a whole different person. Like he doesn't look like himself at all, not all year. Even on our wins, he you see glimpses of it, but it's not like he truly found himself again. I, hopefully, this is just a down year for him because I mean we know what Stafford is. We've seen him the level he can play, um, and you would think he finally gets a run game and can't do anything with it. Yeah. Uh, but look, look, he did look good at during stretches of this game, and and they were letting him throw down field for a change, which is nice. A couple times and throwing over the well, yeah, the middle a, of the a, field on a couple occasions. Literally it wasn't very frequent yeah. <laughs> to a tight end. But we more. we exploited the middle of the field, which we never do. And 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 uh, Rudd, how many times have I talked about watching a game with you? How they how we never go over the middle. No, of the it's field. true. You know, and and. I don't know because we didn't trust our tight ends or what. And Toledo had a, a great game in this in this one, and they they actually showed some trust in him. He caught a couple of really big passes up the middle. Yeah, I mean, we should be we should have been doing that all season long, but we haven't. So check out some of these stats from this game. The Lions had twenty three first downs. The Rams had twenty four. Each team ran sixty four offensive plays. Wow. The Rams had three hundred forty four total yards. The Lions three ten. Each team had 13 drives. The only there was 13 yard difference in passing, and yet one team won by 14. Well, I think that comes down yeah. to the, look at the difference in the game. It was the final score was 30 to 13, correct? 16. Uh, 16. That. So I mean, you're literally talking about the difference in that game was two incredibly short fields, one given by special teams, aka Patricia. I don't even blame special teams for that. And the other was given by Stafford with that fumble. I mean, well, actually, there was three because the other yeah. onside didn't go well either. But, yeah, I mean, how how is the defense will handle yeah. that? When well, you that's, three that's what runs? I wanted to – I want to actually lead into that a little bit. Um, those two coaching decisions to go for the onside kick, I was curious what your guys' feeling. I'll, I'll save mine for the end of uh, – I want to hear what you guys have to say first. On Take it, UJ. Okay, well, first on the first onside kick, I was all for it. I thought it was a great call. Unfortunately, the execution wasn't there. It was say the least, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I thought it was a great time to do it. It it, it caught him off guard, and I think it would have worked if the kick had gone ten yards because there was really no one there. They weren't ready for it. Um, the second onside kick was a horrendous call at the worst oh. possible time because first of all, there was two and a half minutes left to go. Our our defense was playing great. We had all our timeouts plus the two-minute warning. I mean, we had a much better chance of stopping the Rams again, getting the ball back with time left, than we did of recovering an onside kick. I thought that was a horrible call at the time. And then they were ready for it. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't even try to disguise it. He stood there right next to the ball and, like, dribbled it. You know, we didn't even try to pretend like we were going to kick it along. It, it was horrible execution. And the second one was just a horrible call. Agreed. I didn't agree with that at all. Hey, hey, UJ, you know what? Actually, Matt, Matt Patricia, uh, you know I'm close with him. He hasn't been on in a while, though. He's been trying to work hard again in a win for these Lions, but it's not working. He's fired up. Uh, he's calling in right now. Should, really? I, should I bring him on? 
Yeah, that's of fantastic. Course. All right, all right. Hold on, let me uh, let me get Matt. Are you there? Hey, blue Kool Aid drinkers. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, hey. No, no. Hey, Matts. UJ. I'm I'm hearing what you're saying. Let me t- let me tell you. The Rams, they're one of the four best four minute teams in the league. So with the tr- timeouts that we had, I think it was two fifty four left in the clock. We go for the onside. Either way, we have to stop them, right? Right. Well, yeah, if, yeah. If they get two first downs, game's over. Doesn't matter. So we had to stop them in that situation and try to hold them. And we really thought it was the best opportunity for us to get the ball. We had some good things we thought set up for it, and we just had to go out. And my favorite word, my favorite word in the world, we had it. So, UJ, you can suck it. Go live. Wow. Wow, Matt. Something... Uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on and uh, – Acknowledging uh, my presence, I wasn't slouching or anything. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he hung up. He, uh, oh, he, well, he hung get, up on me. Yeah, oh, he, he, he wanted to get his mic on you. Good God, <laughs> he doesn't give us a chance to rebut. He's a very salty uh, interview. <laughs> I'll say, holy God, I said I've straightened everything for him up. On... You know, that's a little. Uh, well, it sounds a little bit like how Jim Schwartz used to be back in the day. He's smarter than everybody else. You know, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. That's not a bad comparison, a little bit. At least some Lions, you know, history. I just hope yeah. he doesn't keep you know, going. I actually way. don't disagree with him, though, in, mm. in regards to that onside kick call. Well, it's it's yeah. log- it's logical, Zach, but I, I don't trust it there. I, I just think it was a bad I, I think if the Rams have to go the whole length of the field there, we have a better chance. Like you said, we had three timeouts. We had two timeouts. And oh, the two-minute two warning. And a two-minute yeah. warning. So essentially, three yeah. Basically, we got to stop them in one set of short, downs anyway. Short field just changes dynamics, though. I don't care where you're at. Like, if you think you have to go the whole field to do anything, it just changes everything. Yeah, and, but they only have to go ten yards, regardless. Yeah. Well, what to get one first down? Yeah. Yeah, but they had to get two first downs potentially. Yeah, but now, essentially, one one set of first downs, uh, pretty I much does like- it. I don't like the call, and it was poorly executed, at least disguise it, but whatever. It wasn't the difference in the game. Um, it just didn't seem like the right call at the time. I'm not going to – that's yeah. not the one. I didn't I, I didn't think it was a great call, but, you know, whatever. I think other things were more pertinent to the way that game went. Yeah. And so, I, thought um, the, I thought the onside kick was just really questionable by Martin on that one because – he. The, I mean, that was about as easy as it gets in terms of an onside kick recovery. Oh, yeah, yeah, but the first one was even easier. You didn't have to do anything. I mean, well, a- after yeah. seeing that first one, I would have never asked him to do another one. <laughs> it just amazes me these um, these NFL kickers like all they have, this is like all they have to work on. You know, they, yeah, they that's it. And... <laughs> Here, here's a here's the thing though. Here's my thing with an onside kick. Right, we, we do that right after we kick a field goal. But the way we played that series out on offense just blew my mind. We were we had third and goal for like nineteen yards, and yeah. we'd run a draw up the middle, like that you just knew wasn't going to get it. And so what to get a slightly easier field goal, even though we were already in Prater's range, I that that one made no sense. And then we onside kick. It, it just. Those that that sort of that way the order of events is my problem. Well, that was that was just not trusting your own line to hold uh, a block yeah, for a 19 um, yard throw. I think because our offensive line that. got 
torched by Aaron Donald in this game. He was making just, just quit rag dolls out of our offensive guards. You don't trust yeah. your own line. You got to just don't even bother because you're – No, I know. I think you're getting to the crux of it, Jack, because generally speaking, as good as the Rams' a D line is, Cooter actually didn't call that bad of a game. But at, one of his- criti- at critical times, though, like uh, was it series where they – it was in the fourth quarter. We had the ball. We we're like at midfield, and they run blunt twice up the middle. You mean like our first <laughs> then, possession? Of, no, our first then, possession of the second half. And then third, and then, oh yeah, yeah. And it was then it was third and eleven. We don't get it. We hit the punt. Like what the? What kind of? What are we trying to impress here? I mean, yeah. that's horrible. It's just there's no. And then other times in the game, he showed great imagination and. Some good mixing it up, and that's been sort of but, his hallmark, though. His hallmark is Cooter. When you come out in the second half, you're, you you got to make some kind of statement. You don't just wimpily run into the middle of the line oh, and punt. Agreed. Another I mean, one, though. How about off the turnover? When I played ball in college, we would we when we got a we called it a sudden change. If you had a big play that went a long distance, like a, a bomb or a turnover or something, you get sudden change. And the whole sideline, everyone who wasn't in the game, it was our job to get jacked up and start, like, yelling and getting noise and pumping energy into the team because this is when you got to do something. When we got two turnovers in that game, what do we do? I think we went three out on both of them. No. The second one, we threw that deep pass to Toy Lolo. Okay, fine. But, well, that first one, though, was garbage. We called two runs up the middle. That was actually my biggest problem. So, I'll agree. Some of the more imaginative play calling by Cooter in this game. It wasn't an all-bad game by him, though I would argue the hallmark of Cooter has been he can call a few good plays, but he he's inconsistent and doesn't have a good rhythm of things. But that, I mean, when you get a turnover, you don't run it up the middle twice. But the other thing is that how many times did those two runs set up obvious passing downs where Aaron Donald could pin his ears back? I mean, yeah. that was – that was the problem. You, you got to try to get something on first down or at least second down. So it's not like a long, you know, 10 plus yard passing down. I mean, that, yeah. I mean I, it's, I, I'm not as a mixed bag. That's what I'm willing to give Cooter on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to bring up um, a, a little positive to this game though. I really thought our defense stepped up big time in this game against yeah. the top offense in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, Tabor, Finally benched. He was. He didn't even dress for this game. And Mike Ford, uh, living up to the name at the home stadium. Uh, yeah, getting ninety-seven percent of the snaps out there this week. And he he laid some wood in a couple occasions in this game. He was solid. He uh, like, oh, where was this guy earlier in the season? <laughs> well, we were still yeah, to uh, Tabor. He didn't win every battle. But, uh, he's done a good job. Yeah. I, know, I like that addition. He definitely has a more he's, – he's not as uh, porous as Tabor was playing, that's for sure, <laughs> which is not saying all that much. <laughs> yeah, but going, going back to what you're saying, Zach, though, the defense really played well. Oh, yeah. Uh, the secondary I was playing with Diggs was laying the lumber, man. He had some hits in that game that were just fantastic. And uh, Yeah, we I missed mean, that out of him a little bit this year, but it yeah. definitely showed up in this game. He but was I mean, like they, one of the – like four picks on uh, golf all season. We took the best offense in the in the NFL and we held them down. Yeah, I handed it to him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, if they, if they get a little bit of getting, help in the offense. 
Todd Gurley ended up getting some big rushes there at the end of the game when we needed to stop. Right, right at the end. But then look at it, too, that, you know, every defense, no matter how good, they're going to wear down. And, uh, you know, I know you said earlier when we ran the same amount of plays and all that stuff, but it sure seemed like toward the end we were the ones, uh, you know, playing defense most of the game. <laughs> well, we were getting short fields. Yeah, and the, I mean, that yeah. was when Stafford's fumble came. That was when all of a sudden it's like you get right back on the field. They get a great stop. Get Stafford the ball, then he fumbles it, and now they're facing a super short field. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, and that's when players like Gurley get going late in the games when they're trying to put games away. I mean, I think if you get any help from the offense in this game, we win it. But you know what? I just saw another thing in a positive sense, though. I know the season is pretty much gone, but – Although I do think there's a mathematical chance of it getting the playoffs. We just can't win the division. <laughs> well, whatever. But this bodes well for the future of this defense. I mean, we get, a couple, we get a few key players next year, whether it's free agency or a couple of good draft picks. And, you know, I think the guys are buying into this scheme now. And it's just going to get better. I think in the next I couple of years, so. we're going to see this defense excel. I, I think we're on, on the way to something good here. We, oh, just need some elite, we need some real edge rushers is what we need. Big guys time. who can can really get around there. I think Ansa, if we get him on some really cheap, you know, team friendly signing, then we take it, keep him. But he's not the guy that we needed him to be. I think that's just been laying bare at this point. His oh, injuries, yeah. I think, have just sent him back so much. He's just, uh, I mean, yeah, he can splash here and there, but he's just not the guy that we need to be the elite rusher. Not at seventeen million dollars. No. Definitely I think not. we got some really nice building blocks. Like I want to point out, I mean, obviously Snacks. Snacks is becoming the heart of that defense right now. I mean, the dude is uh, he changed our defense. One guy changed our defense. Changed oh, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, but then I mean, the dudes that are with him in the rotation, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from Ashawn. He really stepped up in this game. He did. Uh, Hand wasn't really present, but he's been having a really good. Uh, not present. He didn't really splash, but he's been having a really good season. Yeah, uh, he I did like have a we... bad penalty in this game. Uh, yeah, he did. Third and long. Oh, that hands to the face. That's just so like, oh, those are the rough. It just slips up into the yeah. face. My and... high school uh, football coach used to call that the Vader, where you just put the guy's uh, – the defensive lineman puts the hand in the throat of the offensive lineman. But <laughs> now they call it these days. So. Back in my day, know. we could do that. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> It wasn't even like the worst. He pulled it off after a second, but hey, he got caught. That mm-hmm. sucked. Um, but no, I mean, our, I mean, Aquara. I like him a lot. I think he's actually better than Ansa at this point. Um, uh, our front, I'm, I'm liking a lot of our front, our front, uh, like D line, big men. But then I think uh, Davis is a good building block. He's not. He's still got some holes in his game, but I think he has some really nice upside. To it, I think Kennard's a nice. I don't like him as a premier guy. I think he's a good rotational or a starter with someone else yeah. who's more of the the guy to get there. But I like the front seven's got some really nice building blocks. Uh, oh, yeah. So you know, obviously Slay. I think Tracy Walker coming in, he's going to take over for Quinn because I think Quinn's done. I agree. Adios. I loved him for you know he did great. Thank you for all your years of service. But this year he's clearly lost a step. Diggs. I'm just saying, I think we got some really nice pieces if we can add a sure. like a, You know, we're not going to get Mac in the draft, but maybe we can get someone in the free agency. I don't know. There's a ton of uh, D-line and outside linebacker uh, 
depth in this in the top of the draft this year. Yeah. Yeah. But no one seems to be like a a Mac type though, like that obvious dominator. Um, Bosa might be from Ohio State. Yeah. I don't, him, I don't think we can get him though. <laughs> no, we will not. We will not. Uh, He'll be number one. Now you know it. it just I see Leighton Vanderesh playing for the Dallas Cowboys, and that's a guy I really wanted in last year's draft. If we, if I don't know if there's any guys oh, like I that, know. big, tall, rangy linebackers that can do everything, that yeah. would fit this scheme so well. Well, and Harold this guy, um, injury. Um, on New Year's Day, he'll be playing Penn State. Actually, his name is um, Allen. I forgot. I forgot. Josh for- Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. Oh yeah, there's more than one Josh Allen in the NFL. So I was, <laughs> I was second guessing myself. But Josh Allen, outside linebacker from Kentucky. This guy is legit. Actually, I saw him mock to us. Yeah, that's the kind of guy Today. we need. That six three, two fifty, really athletic, fast linebacker who can get off the edge, get around the edge, and be a multifaceted player. I mean, yeah. that's the Mac mold. That's the Von Miller mold. I mean, I'm not saying he's those guys, but that's the type. Yeah, that's what we need. I think we're drifting off to next year's stuff, but I guess that naturally goes that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, when your team's well, on I the mean, playoff race. Yeah. But at the same time, that's what this defense is. We're like a player or two away from. Yeah, I mean, seeing a really good defense. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this game, we were a player two away from winning. Um, if you look at it, uh, at least in the fourth quarter, there. Uh, up until the fumble. Oh no, I'm God. talking about our. We read two different passes, our D uh, linemen, and they both dropped pick sixes. Two, oh like, yeah, two plays in a row. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, two that really was good crazy. Good <laughs> what a sequence that was! If we'd have got one of those, oh my God! <laughs> who oh, knows? Man. Who knows what would happen? Yep. Those are yeah. Those are killers. But those are <laughs> whenever I I played D line in college and. Whenever that happened, they'd just be like, that's why you're on defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like clapping right. a couple bricks together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, let me start, ask you guys a question. Uh, going into next year, Matt, Patricia, up or down? You know, your, uh, your general feelings on the future with Matt, Patricia. I want to see what he does um, with the offense in the offseason, and then I'll I'm, make my final decision. Okay. I'm tentative. I'm, I'm cautious with him. Because my biggest problem with him this season, I, he's made some questionable calls, the onside kick, things like that. But I, I don't think he made any glaringly bad mistakes. But the biggest concern with me is just how this team has played under his, you know, they, I, he hasn't seemed to get him, get him up, you know. I, I was hoping he they'd be motivated to get out there and play for him. The defense actually seems to be going that way, whereas the offense seems to not. But like, like Big Z said – I think you get rid of Cooter. Uh, I think Cooter is the ultimate drag here, if you didn't pick up on that. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I've been very coy about my feelings on him. But, uh, no, I think if you get rid of Cooter, things could look up really fast. I think uh, – and, and you know what? Another year, he, he was bringing in the Patriots mentality. And, and by all uh, accounts, that is not a, a, a warm and loving place. That's a prickly – hard you know you know it's hardship that they 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 go hard and they play hard they work hard and i think it was a big turn from the caldwell sort of hands off with the men be men approach yeah absolutely I, 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 i think you're right i think the players like you said at least on the offense side of the ball seems and 
the offense as a whole seems pretty much very uninspired, but the defense is playing inspired, and that's Patricia's side of the ball. Yeah. That's where you know, that's I saw where he's working with all the I saw the defense. You don't see him on the sideline talking to the offense, really, with the playboard, which or the, the, the Microsoft service, you know. He, he clearly is the defensive guy um, and does not have too much influence on the offense, and that's and why that, I think he's going to get rid of Cooter after seeing this product on the field this year. And, and that's the in. side of the ball that is following the progression he suggested at the beginning of the season as seeing the season in, you know, phases. They're they're hitting their peak. The offense is regressing rapidly. But I also saw something, a little thing that I, I just made me feel good at the end of the game when a, a defense just gets scored upon. And there, there's Jared Davis throwing his helmet on the sideline. Yeah. These guys are mad. And, like, I finally some freaking emotion from somebody. Yes. You know, I think sometimes they try to keep it in so much. Like, uh, man, wouldn't you just like to see a little more emotion sometimes from these guys? Mm-hmm. I mean, Especially Stafford. It, well, yeah. Especially. He's been so like, I, I feel like he's just like, I don't know. He's so dead eyed this year. He used to be like that fire and that sort of maverick out there wheeling a deal and sort of fired up. Like, even when he yells at guys this year, it's sort of like, a, oh, like he's doing his little hand thing, and then he's on the sideline just chilling. Like, well, I, I've, I've read different theories on that. Like, it's the way they're let, making him play the game now. Uh, he He's not in his element. He, I don't know. They're, I don't know what. Well, but, he, uh, here's a thing. Now that we're, bringing up, now that we're bringing up Cooter, and in the past we've tried to challenge ourselves, like, who is the guy to replace him? Well, <laughs> Now there are lists starting to come out as people have all seen um, the Cooter. The Cooter experiment is wearing very thin, very fast, obviously in the joint. Or maybe it's not pop already. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean Jim Bob Cooter. If you think about it, he's kind of the outsider in the coaching staff. Really, Matt Patricia brought all these guys in either from New England or his days at Syracuse. Bob Quinn, the GM, and a lot of the front office people, also from the Patriots. Um, but Jim Bob Cooter, um, not really a Patriots guy or anything like that. He's, he's kind of the guy that was left behind. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's even more reasonably that he will be fired. I would be shocked if he's not, honestly, at this point. I'd be absolutely shocked. shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be like just distraught. I'd be very serious. (laughs) Watching the team next year going into the season, I'd have, I'd be, ah, I'd be very, Aggravated. All right, Big so, Z. Now, but here, hey, everyone, it's so easy to get down to Cooter stuff, but Big Z, if we're going to get rid of Cooter, someone's got to take his place. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, I, 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 do you guys read The Athletic at all? Uh, on occasion, but I haven't seen, seen it lately. We, you know this. You send us the articles all the time, but there's a money wall. <laughs> well, it's only $30 a year, and I think it's totally worth it. This are we guy, getting, um, are we getting paid for this advertisement? I mean, you know, what? <laughs> well, no, we're just throwing it out there though. If they want to help sponsor the podcast, so we're more than willing. <laughs> we're throwing out a freebie for them right now. You know? All right, we're sign poor. of gratitude. Freebie. But anyways, they have a, a writer on there named Chris Burke. He does a very very good job every week covering the Lions, and he put out his list um, of potential coaching candidates. And I hit, I'm using this one. I'm live and. Free, uh, Detroit Free Press also had one, but I agree with this one more actually, just because of all the connections that he put on there with the Patriots. Um, the, so the obvious number one choice right now, and this is on everybody's list, pretty consistent, is George Godsey, who is the current quarterback coach for the Lions. 
Okay. Um, what? He, so fire Cooter now. Sorry, go on. No, he was an offensive assistant in New England in 2011, then coached the tight ends there from 2012 to 2013. And then he moved to Houston for a little bit, and now he's with um, the Lions as the quarterback coach. And, he, and he's a Patricia guy, right, because they got Callahan out of there for, and let him take his place, right? Oh, yeah. So and Callahan's yeah. doing wonders for Derek Carr over in Oakland right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, okay, um, yeah, that, that's a good one, though, Zay. This guy is definitely on the top of the list, and, and he has um, – he does not have an offensive coordinator experience, though. But a guy that does have wow. offensive coordinator experience on the Lions' current staff um, is a guy that they actually pay a lot of money to bring over, Jeff Davidson, the old line coach. Yeah. He ran the Panthers' offense in 20, um, 2007 to 2010. They had 2,000-yard rushers, actually, in one of those years. Um, I, I'm trying to remember the names. D'Angelo Patrick Williams. Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. Yeah. Yeah, they're a, couple, they're a couple good backs. Jonathan Stewart, Patrick Stewart's an actor. Yeah, but he's a better running. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, another name that's really hot in a lot of NFL radars is this guy named Shane Shane Waldron, a passing game coordinator for the Rams. His name is almost on every list for any offensive coordinator opening in the in the country, pretty much. In the NFL. Surprising. With how they're playing this yeah. year, I can't believe yeah. it. The Rams have a, at least three guys in almost every list. <laughs> yeah. Well, success begets opportunity. Oh, yes, absolutely. So. Um, this guy, he's a, he's a younger guy, um, and he, he's also considered a possible frontrunner for the Browns job as well, this Waldron. Um, and he, he was on the Patriots staff from 2002 to 2004, and he was um, a quality quality offensive control coach there from 2008 and then coach the tight ends of 2009. So there's a Patriots connection there as well with Patricia, mm. which could be in use if you want to, you know, recruit the guy over and try to compete with other teams. Sure. Um, another name, the Patriots current tight ends coach named Nick Cayley. Um, a lot of these on this list uh, are New England Syracuse ties, which is why I like this list so much because of the way Matt Patricia has hired so far. Um, he coached Florida Atlantic secondary, and much of his college coaching experience expertise came on defense. But now he's been the tight ends coach in New England for two years, but he's considered as a future offense coordinator somewhere. Hmm. Um, a, a really hot name right now, and this would be personally, I would love this hire, but I don't think we have a chance at him, is Cliff Kingsbury. The Texas Tech coach that just got fired. Um, he didn't get fired because his offense was bad. <laughs> he got fired because he couldn't stop anybody. <laughs> um, huh. But right now, he it was rumored that he was going to take the USC job. But he is slowly backing out because he is finding out he has a lot of interest in the NFL. But also could be a possible head coach in the NFL, which is crazy. You can get fired from Texas Tech and then go to be a head coach in the NFL. That is kind of crazy. But that's the way NFL is doing it these days. They hire uh Anybody that has any semblance of offensive genius, and they're going to get those guys in yeah. to that organization as soon as possible so they can develop the quarterback because it is a quarterback-driven league, um, mm. almost no doubt about it, unless you're the Chicago Bears. For but even sure. look at the or Bears. They brought in Manning to make something out of Mitch Trubisky. Right. I mean, look look at college ranks these days. All the creativity is in college, it seems like. Well, the Rams and Chiefs are making that case. I'm not saying all of it, but I mean, no – yeah, but there is a lot of creativity in college. 
Mm-hmm. And then I, that's why I think they're recruiting a lot of these guys. You know, you're seeing some really cool things. I, I know they can do more in college because of the level of players and, and such, but you know, it's just nice to see some creative. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the Eric Decker pass was. I gotta give him that one. I know that was that came out nowhere. Where's that was fantastic. Exactly. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how you score or who you scores. You gotta find a way. We also (laughs) did try to throw a double pass that just was miserably executed. That was a terrible pass by Stafford. And I think we tried a shovel pass on third down in this game that um, went very unsuccessfully. Yeah. Look, look at we had we had a touchdown. T.J. Jones got called for the interference. Almost had Galladay in the back of the end zone. Yeah, that was oh, great. Yeah. That was a nice pass by Stafford. That was that yeah. looked like a little classic Stafford there, vintage Stafford on that play. He actually stayed alive in the pocket. And yeah, that was a really off. good job by him escaping the pocket and finding them right there in the back of the end mm-hmm. zone. Just, oh, football's a game of inches. So Big Z, just getting back to the subject though. So you like uh, our man from Texas Tech then, right? Yes, yeah, no, who's your choice? My ideal. Actually, I like this other one, so I have two more names for you. Okay. I personally would like this one a lot. Um, a lot Adam Gase, if he gets fired from the Dolphins, I think he would be a great fit. That would be a really interesting What's one there. What's his background? Well, he what? was the Broncos offensive coordinator, which ranked in 2013 and 2014, and they were ranked number one and number two in the league. But that was when Peyton Manning was the quarterback. And that moves him to the, up to the top of the list for me. I'm sick. And, and then he, I'm um, sick of these quarterback coaches coming in and getting their first shot. I'm sick of it. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it twice now, and both with miserable results. So, and then he um he moved to the Bears in 2015 and gave Jay Cutler easily his best stats um, by a wide margin. I think um, you're hired. That's true. And then he now he's the Miami head coach, and he hasn't done a bad. I mean. Considering Ryan Tannehill is his quarterback, I think he's done a pretty good job down there, actually. <laughs> um, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback, in my opinion. So, and, it, mm. um, and then you guys will like this last name, and I think it would be a wild, very interesting hire. He's only 31 years old. In his second season with the Chiefs, the, <laughs> I mean, Rudd Dog maybe wouldn't like this one because he's a quarterback's coach there right now, and he's only 31. <laughs> <laughs> But he's a former Northwestern Wildcat, and even more importantly, he's a former St. Rita gentleman. Kafka. Yes, Mike. Oh Kafka, yeah, that's right. Kansas City Chiefs. I think that'd be a wild hire. It could be completely out of left field. Wouldn't that be something? But um, hey. Andy Reid has produced some very good um, coaches around the league these days. Hey, he's from the South Side of Chicago. That gives him extra points. But uh, <laughs> uh, well, he did go to Rita, so I don't know about that. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's the Kenny um, Galladay collection. So apparently, yeah. he's like moving up the the coaching tree. Really, I mean, look at he's 31 and he's already a quarterback coach on the yeah. top scoring offense in the league. <laughs> he did his brief stint with the NFL as a quarterback, right? And then mm-hmm. now yeah. he's coaching it. And don't discount anybody that coaches underneath Andy Reid. Well, so how do we not say. mention Mike McCarthy though? I mean, he's got to be out there in the conversation, right? Oh, I, he's I don't think you that's think realistic because he... Mike McCarthy is going to get hired as a head coach somewhere in, in around yeah. the league. You think right. so? Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't. Be, I, I I think he's the front runner for the Browns job right now, personally. Um, ahead of Condoleezza Rice. <laughs> yeah, just ahead. Just ahead by a hair. <laughs> okay. By a long, by a long strand of hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I would like but, to see someone who knows what they're doing. That's all. I don't know someone yeah. who actually knows how to call an offense. <laughs> I don't even know if it could be a quarterback's coach, but God, please know what you're doing. We've had two in a row that don't and didn't. I mean, so like, please, just someone who knows what they're doing. That's you're all. You're right, though. It's more of a, it's not just making creative plays. It's it's having a rhythm to the game. It's setting up plays for for other plays, and there's there's more to it than that. I don't think Cooter has that grasp of the rhythm of the game, changing speeds sometimes when you have to. And, you know, we need to – that's why an experienced guy, I think, would be kind of better here. But That's my yeah, answer to this point. That's why I'd be mo- most excited for Adam Gates. But... Oh, I really like that idea. I do. I do. I do, Zach. I um, think it's good. I thought this was interesting. I didn't even know that he was a quarterback's coach in this league. But Kellen Moore is a quarterback coach right now for the Dallas Cowboys. And he yeah, he up. is. This list oh, as well. This is a minor name and a wild search shot. No, he's not a coordinator yet, but he went from, from their playing for them straight to coaching for them. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Essentially, I mean, he's kind of, based on everything we've read over the years, he's kind of like a quarterback coach in the room anyways. Hey. Well, they always he said that good. when he was with us. I mean, they said he was really excellent in the, in the you know, film room I stuff. And I always liked Kellen Moore. So, I thought he, he might be able to do something, but he never really panned out, but. Hey, he's gonna throw want... a ball out of a paper bag because he his arm was so weak. Yeah, he, well, he's so little. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't really, I'm not ready for that. It's too soon on him, I think. But that's him and Kafka are pretty much in the same boat, I'd say, basically. Yeah. Well, either way, I think it's a done deal that that's going to change. Uh, it's not to. before the end of the season, at the end of the season. But what – no, you know, but you brought up an interesting point. If really one of the front runners is our quarterback coach right now, because the one argument I keep hearing is, why well, I play recruiter now midseason because then, like, what do you get? But, like, if we really got him, now we can actually get a sneak peek at this guy. And, and he – you know, he's going to have his challenges because, you know, all of my problems with Cooter go so far back. But I'll give him this. He's been playing with us uh, a short, you know, uh, a bad hand since we traded away Tate. And then Marvin Jones went down. So, I mean, it's not all blamed on him. I just think he's been bad from – I didn't like him back when he took over for Lombardi. I didn't think he'd keep the job. But give this guy a chance right now. See what you got. So then you know you can move on from him. Or put him right back in quarterback's coach. And George Godsey did call plays for one year in Houston, 2015 to 2016. How'd they do? Who's their quarterback then? Um, they had a top a... 10 rushing attack in 2016, but he finished that year in 29th in passing and 30th in net yards per attempt. But, however, yeah. their quarterback was Brock Osweiler. That's right, Brock Osweiler. <laughs> <laughs> who, who but they, they didn't win a playoff game that year. Was that with Crabtree that year? Or wait, was that you said Texas Tech? Yeah, that was the year the Texans beat the Raiders in the playoffs, but um, the Raiders did not have Derek Carr. They had Connor Cook start the playoff game for them. So, uh. <laughs> if you don't win that one, that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> so, uh, how you how you guys feeling about the Cardinals yourself this week? They are coming off a win against Green Bay on the road. So, that, I mean, that's never an easy task no matter what in the NFL. But Josh Rosen, eleven of twenty six. Uh, Liz was talking about Josh Rosen being comfortable in the pocket. Oh, Eleven of twenty-six throwing this week, one hundred forty-nine yards. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how comfortable he's I mean, missing all those receivers, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't scare point. me too much. Um, the Cardinals, t- to their credit, I mean they're not cashing it in. They're out there playing hard. 
I mean, I don't care how bad Green Bay is, just beat them in their home field. That's a pretty good job. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that being said, I, I think our, I think we're better than the Cardinals. I think we have better manpower than the Cardinals, and and we, and we should beat them even on their home field. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I mean, my sentiment is, you know, every game in the NFL is, you know, you gotta take seriously. There's no, even the worst teams you can't sleep on. It's so the it's a razor thin margin from the top teams to the worst teams. But, uh, I mean, at this point in the season, I'm, I, it's all introspective. If you ask me, this is about how the lions come out to play. It's, it's less about the Cardinals than it is about what kind of product we put on the field. Can, can Patricia get this offense to come out and perform? Like, yeah, you can actually look like they give a shit. Um, you know, stuff like no, that. You're, you're right. Red dog. This is I'm a at. real it's a real test for Patricia um, holding this team together and, uh, and, and seeing how we fight down the stretch when there's nothing to fight for. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's always something to fight for in the NFL. You're fighting for your future, your job, you know, that, but I mean, just to see these guys come out and try to win and, and play hard, it's going to be a real nice test for Patricia. So yeah. what we need to see trial by fire. Man. Yeah. The lions are one and four on the road this year. Ugh. Yeah. Um, not much better have, at home. They struggled mightily. <laughs> Granted, the Cardinals do not have a great home crowd. At least, not they do when they're winning, but they are not winning. <laughs> this, yeah. this home crowd won't be too fired up in Arizona. Interesting point, though. The Lions right now have the fifth overall pick. If they were to lose this game, they would move up to number three. Now, I'm not advocating for the Lions losing, but I'm just throwing it out there. Okay. I'm not a fan you know, of tanking. I know. I'm, I'm just I know. Not. I'm never a fan of that. No, and you don't. You don't take these players. Don't think the coaches don't go in there. No, um, going to tank. But I'm just throwing it out there. Well, you know, like for, <laughs> like looking back, like Caldwell for all his flaws, it was actually kind of weird. Like the years we did bad under Caldwell, it seemed like we always finished stronger, and the years that we did good, we always, you know, stumbled and back ass backwards into the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> like. He, he seemed to always still kind of get his players to play, and I think that's the sign of a good coach. If he can get his players to keep playing, even despite the lack of, uh, you know, the motivation on the other end of uh, an ultimate prize, each game has to be its own prize, and he's got to <laughs> convey that. Right, and, and I think they did it this week with the Rams. I think they The defense certainly out. got the message. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was funny quote um, from Ricky Jean Francois this week. He's like, "Man, this losing, uh, I'm not used no. to it." But I wanted oh, to tell geez. him, uh, "Welcome to the Detroit Lions." <laughs> oh my god! No, but he's fighting it, man. You know what? They got to fight this. Eventually, yes. it's got to end. You know? I, I mean, know it has to. It has to. So, sure. I mean, has to end the... so who's get? But whoever does it is going to be the ultimate fight, man, to fight out of this thing that Detroit's in for 60 years I think here's the thing though here's this brings up a question and and I've been so resistant to this question for so long and I've never really found any real merit in it whatsoever until lately and that is all these people who are calling for us to move on from Stafford and let me finish before you all jump in I mean because you, you you look at the models like the Bears where they've got this cheap young quarterback they're building around but they can actually put a team around him and put a good defense on the field a good full complete offense with a line and running backs and receivers and they can develop a running uh, a young quarterback in a system who's cheap and that can cause a lot of them to afford more like there's a lot of people out there calling for a Stafford trade and there's no doubt we'd get a lot for him I mean 
And I, I'm not asking for some outrage. I know, whatever. But I just want to hear what you guys legit think about this without emotion. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, it, it, we're starting all over with a fresh quarterback. I'm sorry. Uh, I think Stafford, he, he is having a bad year, but uh, I've seen too much good out of him. If we get the right situation around him, he'll be. I think he'll be fine. I'm not worried about him one you down know, year. You know what's very interesting, though? Matt Stafford is the fifth highest paid quarterback um, for, for the, against the cap in the league. Tom Brady is 16th in the league. Yeah, I know. I find that very. I just find that very interesting. So a, a lot of the model this day for a winning team, at least lately, it seems, um, is that you have a quarterback that's young, that's very good. I mean, look at how the Seahawks um, were super competitive yeah. with um, Russell Wilson on his rookie contract, and you're able to pay those other guys to come in. The Bears don't get Khalil Mack if they're paying their quarterback Matt. Stafford Absolutely money. true. Absolutely. So, well, Mahomes, um, Mahomes hey, but, right? Uh, you got Deshaun Watson in uh, Houston. Yep. You got some bunch of these young guys who are young studs that's coming in, and, and you build a huge-ass team who's awesome around them, and they don't have to be the, the, the you know, crux of that team. And, and, and that's my biggest thing about Stafford this year. And, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I still don't think we should move on from Stafford. Let me just clarify that. I still think Stafford's the guy, and I don't want to move on from him. It's just disturbing that I'm finding any validity in these arguments um, is that he has not risen this year to be the leader that we need. It's not even like right. his play is one thing. I, you know, he it's fine that he's it's one thing that he's having a rough year on the field throwing the ball, but it's the way he's acting around his teammates. He doesn't seem to be, you know, calling them. He doesn't seem to be presenting a challenge to them to rise to an occasion. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we agree with that too. But the, uh, Zach, you're big Z with the your argument about the money. I think that's just kind of a it's a silly argument because it's it varies too much from team to team and all that. You can't always go by that. But I don't think people don't. are ta- talking enough about how you know we're bashing Quinn because they're not picking the right guys or making. But if you look at next year, we're setting up for having a huge cap space next year. I mean. To to really do some damage in the free agent market, he he's setting us up for this, and and, we, and so until we see it play out, and and what he can do and make it how he can make it work, I mean, because we could seriously see some good things happen next year with the with the money we're going to have to play with. To play and, devil's and, advocate, though, if you don't think he can make those personnel decisions, then well, that's yeah. not going to mean all that much. But Obvious, I, I obviously, yeah. but I'm telling you, he's been setting up to this point to make it happen. And it's taken him a couple of years to, to control the cap. Remember Mayhew, it was a cap hell we were in. You know, we couldn't do anything. And now he's all of a sudden we're, we're rich in the cap by next year. We'll have over $40 million and, and probably more by the time they're done cutting certain people. Yeah. And, and, right and, now, right now, as it stands, UJ, the lions would have the 16th most cap space in the league. 16th. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that, that, does that account for cutting Quinn and cutting like Lang and no, cutting some of our bigger? I'm not. also getting on board with the idea of moving on from Riddick as much as I've liked him. He just hasn't been what he used to be this year. Uh, but that could be on Cooter calling up the plays. I don't know, but, uh, but the, re- the reason I bring that up, UJ, is that I I actually I, at one point I agreed with your argument, but the Lions are going to have to do some serious free agent recruiting as well because. Right. The cap the cap has moved up so much 
um, with the NFL making very good profits in recent years. And it's risen in so fast. I mean, look at the team that has the most cap space going to next year. The Colts have $118 million in cap space. Oh, my God. And they look really good. Guess, yeah, they guess do. what team has more cap space than the Lions next year? The Chiefs. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's crazy to think about. And what team, if you're an offensive player, what team do you want to go to? The Chiefs or the Lions? Right now, I'd say the Chiefs, personally. Well, so, I don't know. I I'm, think I'm just saying these are the factors that the Lions have um, to compete you're with right. going into next year. So, it's well, not, not a guarantee that we can fix this. At but grade. this is where their skill of, of developing talent is going to come in. And I think we've seen some glimpse that they can judge talent. I mean, getting canard and getting, uh, you know, snacks and, I mean, there's there's some skill there in picking talent. And uh, well, uh, do you think uh, do you think it's any indictment on the team though, on Quinn and stuff though? Like, if like he's willing to throw away your current season by like trading away Tate and stuff like that. Like, if you're gonna come to this team and he's gonna start trading away your all stars for you know middle round draft picks, does that seem does that encourage you to come to that team when he's willing to move on from you so easily, your best player? On offense, I mean, because if you look at our record, we are one in what one in four since we moved on from Tate, and we were, I mean, we were three and we just came off like we won like three out of four, I think, before that or something. And then, anyway, I just thought that I think that that could be read two ways. It's shrewd, but it's also like he totally sacrificed the present for the future. Yeah, it's a tough argument. Uh, I don't even, you know, without us being in the room with those guys and what they're talking about, it's, it's really hard for me to say. Yeah. I could play devil's advocate on either direction. I mean, you know, and we've argued it ad nauseum almost, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just think there's just been such a, it had that move just had such a mental impact on this team. I mean, it just showed that they weren't like you, that he was not thinking this team had it. Cause you don't move on from a guy like that. If you think you got it for the playoffs that year. Yeah. Well, so, um, we'll see. I mean, just one, one more note about the cap before we move on. Um, okay. The Lions have, and this is from overthecap.com, who breaks it down about as easily as any other website does. Going into next year, currently the Lions have $42 million in cap space, 42.2, <laughs> and almost no dead money. They have the $165,000 in dead money, which is – that's good. If you hearken back to this, when Sue left, uh, her dead money was like in the tens of millions. So. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's nice to see that. I mean, look at the Dolphins. I'm looking at the Dolphins right now. They have $13 million in dead money. <laughs> and that's Six, because they nine. signed Sue to that big deal and then he left. Yeah. They uh, released him. <laughs> I so. think this, this fiscal uh, policy of Quinn, though, I think it's eventually going to pay off. I, I just I really so. do. Yeah, that's the hope. That's the whole. Yeah, and well, plus, I, plus, yeah, I think you guys have to admit, to some extent, we're doing a pretty decent job of developing our young guys. I mean, yeah. except for Boer. Well, except for okay, <laughs> except for <laughs> he's got one more <laughs> off season. But uh, yeah, I mean Tracy Walker, I mean Carry on Johnson. We got some good young guys. Even Jared Davis. I mean, I like, like the Tyrell Crosby pick too. I think that could pay off later. I'd like to see him at guard next year, personally. I, I don't think know why they're was... playing on the guard right now. Yeah, me either. Why is Kenny Wiggins getting reps? He's not the future. Hmm. I don't know. But... But that's a question for next week because I want to get into predictions right now. Predictions. predictions. All right. 
for next week. The Lions are traveling to Arizona, where they have uh, struggled mightily in the past. Um, the, the Lions, for whatever reason, have just major hiccups down in Arizona. But I'm sensing, I'm sensing a Lions victory. I don't know about you guys, but UJ, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see your feelings on this one first. Uh, well, Big Z, uh, I. I'm kind of having the same feeling you are. Uh, I know we've struggled lately mightily, but at the same time, I see encouraging signs. Uh, I think our offense is going to just feel a sense of pride, and they're going to have to come back and, you know, do a little better than they have been. And I think Stafford's going to have a good day. I think uh, we're going to score over 30 points. And I'd say I'm going to go 31 13. I think we're going to shut them down pretty good on our defense because our defense is starting to feel it now. They're starting to feel good about themselves, and it's going to show. 31 13 is my prediction. All right. I like it, I like it a lot. Yeah. Red Dog. I actually, I, I agree for the most part. I, I still think our offense is just going to be limited by hyper conservative play, unfortunately. But I think our defense, as you say, is, is starting to come alive. They're they're going through the phases of the season, as Patricia talked about. They're getting better uh, every month. And uh, I think they're going to generally hold them. I'm going to go uh, 23 to 10 Lions. I think the defense is going to put up a touchdown. All right. They're going to get a pick six or a, or a fumble for a touchdown. And uh, that's how we're going we're gonna to handle them. Good like sudden it. change play, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of right there with you, Rudd Dog. I, I'm feeling a, a lower-scoring game. I do think the Cardinals' defense is I – th- I think they're pretty talented, and going on the road is always tough no matter where you're at in the NFL, unless you're going to Tampa Bay, where the fans literally don't show up to the game, even if they're giving out free tickets. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. unbelievable. <laughs> you, know, you know the Lions sold out 95% of their stadium, even even at 4-7. and seven The, the Kool-Aid day, right? is strong. Yeah. Yeah, they they put it in the water in Detroit. Like, they pump it through the actual water system. So the people are drinking it. They don't even know they're drinking it. And they don't know why they keep showing up at games like zombies. It's crazy. I I did watch a feature this week. Um, There's these Detroit fans that sit in, like, a hot tub in the parking lot every game. Uh, Even if it's, like, zero degrees out, it doesn't matter. They always sit in the hot tub with their shirts off. You know – that's, That's why I just want to make a point. One day, because I think it, we constantly get neglected. It, it's bullshit. I don't know how anyone else. The Detroit Lions have the most staunch fan base because no other team, except for maybe sometimes the Browns, has gone through as much hardship as us and yet stays dedicated to this team. What? And. <laughs> But, uh, it, no, I no, I, I totally agree. And I, and thinking, I think uh, when we start winning, all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, my God, look at this fan base. Like, even winning makes fan bases get more recognition, and that's what's going to happen when the Lions hey, start winning. we got national recognition the other day, okay? Jeopardy had a question about us. Um, oh, dear God. Oh, yeah. I, I saw the Jeopardy question. Yeah, I saw Jeopardy oh, question. Saw. Was, what, <laughs> what team has never won a Super Bowl? Um, but in 2030, you know, you never know. It's got to happen by then, right? right? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that was literally a front-page headline on ESPN. Yeah, ESPN story. ran with it. Everyone ran with it. Oh, like, my goodness. Uh, it was, yeah. Once uh, again. Classic line is always showing up in the lowlights. But I'm telling you guys, when we win the Super Bowl, 
when we win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the greatest feeling oh in the world. It's <laughs> going to be amazing. Oh, I, when. I, I, wow. I, I'm smiling thinking about it right now, even at four <laughs> um, but, but let me give my prediction. I'm sorry. 21-13 Ooh. Lions. Right. So, Red Dog, okay. close to what you're thinking. I'm thinking, I like, I think uh, the Cardinals got a couple field goals and a touchdown. I just don't see our offense all of a sudden putting up a lot of points the way they play. Well, so you know, you fair. throw a defensive touchdown in there, too, and then, uh, you know, that's what the offense doesn't have to score all the points. So. All right. Well, we want to thank all the Blue Kool Aid drinkers, the listeners, for listening this week to Drinking the Blue Kool Aid, a Detroit Lions podcast. Um, we want, we just appreciate everybody listening in. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, please share it, and please leave a review. We appreciate it mightily, especially in this Christmas season. Um, <laughs> the season of giving, right? Merry <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> so, as always, Blue Kool-Aid drinkers, go! Go! Lions! Forward down, down the field! field. A charging team that will not yield. And when the blue and silver waves, stand and cheer them brave. Go hard with the game. With honor, you will keep your fame. Down the field and gain. Alliance victory. Go. Take a bite out of the birdcage.